Hello there. Welcome back to listeners of Nighttime and hello to new listeners of Nighttime. My name is Marty Batfreak. So happy to finally be sitting, well, standing down and recording this mammoth two-parter show. I have so much to say on this topic that I want to make it perfectly clear. This topic definitely contains adult themes. Now, I do mark the show as explicit. I don't know whether that shows up in your apps. Uh, But uh, it's not because of language necessarily. But I am definitely typing on some um, adult themes. Because it's all about dating and relationships in the 21st century. So, straight up, right now, if you're under 18, my 16-year-old, I would let him listen to this if he really wanted to. But if you're under 18, maybe this isn't ideally the two-parter for you because I don't really touch on uh, youth dating necessarily. This really is for the adults. People that tend to have a bit of a sense of relationships and relationship development. Now, I I may even fact, uh, you know what, I might even cut this off at 25. Maybe I'm talking to people who are over that sort of bracket. I don't know. I don't know. You're the audience. Let's find out. But this is explicit content. It is adult themes. So if that doesn't suit you, catch you in a couple of episodes time. Go be merry. Meanwhile, for everyone else, stick around. Stick around. I've been planning this one for ages. So much to say. We're going to be talking about not having sex, Having sex, thinking about sex, not thinking about sex. We're going to be talking about language, communication, the art of presenting yourself, 
the nature in which we represent ourselves, what's taboo, what's not, what's appealing, what's not. So again, if that all sounds like a little bit too much, no offense, take your leave and catch me another show. It's all good. I, I would like to consider this one to be a deep dive. It's a big one. It's very, very relevant. You have kids these days that are already ready to vote and their parents met via a dating app of some sort. It's 2022. And I say that because this is very 2022. This is very now. This is very common. And I'll explain why in a post-pandemic sense. We're also going to be talking about remote dating or long-distance relationships. We're going to be talking about lifestyle choices and preferences. Uh, what is the nature of being male, female, or neither? What does it mean to be these sorts of people? We're going to be talking about where dating starts and where it ends. It's a real roller coaster for a lot of people, so I'm not going <laughs> to chuck that away. That's a very decent analogy for a lot of e-dating. We're going to be talking about apps and we're going to talking, be talking about their origins. Why people prefer certain ones over other. What do they present? How do they operate? What is their inherent appeal? Why, why do people associate a certain style or result of, of dating uh, with certain names and brands? So I think that's as much warning as I really need to give you guys because I really need to get into this as soon as possible. So let's start with the basics. Everyone understands a courtship. Yeah? Courting. C-O-U-R-ting. Courting. To court someone. Now, if you don't, quick Google. Pause. Quick Google. But I think you'll find that it centers around the ye olde ancient tradition, which even, <laughs> even transcends species. And that is to make yourself appealing to a mate, how to present yourself as appealing to another person. That's courtship. And back in the day, it really was down to you to accept, like we are going way back hundreds of years ago, I suppose when I say this, it really was up to you at any age to understand what your role would be in that courtship were you going to be receiving gifts? Were you expected to provide gifts? What is your, your cultural context for such an understanding? Who's telling you how to do these things? Uh, do you have a spiritual advisor that tells you that this is the way that your parents courted, so this is how you should do it? Do some parents find it to be their, their job to tell their offspring how to court. And, you know, it, it, it literally is down to, as I said, cross-species type behaviour. Birds fluff themselves up. You know, they do a little dance. Uh, 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 check me out. I would like to dance for you. I would like to do things with you. I would like to procreate with you. So check me out. I am appealing. Look at me. Why do they do this? Because they want to perpetuate the species. So... What, why do humans do it? Uh, more often than not, it's probably to find safer company for a future. People court so that they can try 
to nail down a future with a person that appeals to them as well. Depending on your age and your situation, a little touch of desperation and anxiety kicks in, but it, you know, it's it's still the very basic fundamentals of hi, I am me, you are you. I would like you to be aware of my my readiness to court. Do you have responses for me? Yes, I do. And these are my responses. Aha, are we talking the same language? Yes, we are. Okay, so let's begin. Now, it used to be as formal as that. It, courting used to be as formal as that. And then you would go on a date or, you know, a rendezvous. Or you would, might, you meet, might even agree to meet up at a soiree, a dance or something. So none of this is, none of, none of the e-dating that you're hearing about, boys and girls, is suddenly a new thing. Your parents will have a story about how they met. And if they don't, bug them for it. Because one of these days, it's going to account for how you think and how you see and how you operate. I almost guarantee that. There'll be all sorts of uh, clues you can gather from talking to them about this. Like, uh, did they consider intention to be uh, utmost and, and clear at the beginning? Or was intention assumed by some previous nature of the way that you met or perhaps the way that your parents met? Uh, what introduced the two of you together? And I've heard some great stories from people uh, within my age bracket. Uh, Mum and Dad were in the same sailing club, so we sailed together. Uh, we went to school together and then met each other again as adults. You know, intention. You, you, you have to realise there was a point of intention when you start courting. Uh, you want to make that, that known. And as well as the, the semantics there as well. Do you intend to um, simply go with the flow of how this relationship is you know, ordained by other forces? even if it's the stars, but usually by humans? Or, you know, do you intend to follow your own particular path together and make it as unique as possible to, to change things up for your lives? So along with intention and the beginning of courtship comes appeal. And how, you know, how we see the world around us helps us to find our own appeal as much as other people's appeal to us. This is a good moment perhaps to touch on um, one of the best self-help tips for dating, especially e-dating, introspection and where we, where we define that appeal from. What, what lies inside us that makes us us? Can you go that deep? How deep do you choose to go when you, when you ask for your own appeal? One of the big tricks with e-dating apparently is to ask your friends to tell you how you appeal to them or how you would sound using certain words and phrases. But again, that's nothing really new. My parents, for example, a bit of reveal. They met at a Christian science study group, I think, slash social group, which it invariably was uh, for these late teenagers. And I do use that now in the context of they met obviously 20-something, but knowing what we know now about the development of the, the mind, it's still 
growing. The brain's still growing at 25. So, you know, changes were still going on. So that's how they met. And I guess their appeal could have already been established due to their social interactions. How did they see themselves? What did they bring to their group? That sort of thing. So they would have had definite feedback from from mutual friends as well back then. Something which I know we've all heard of, thanks to social media, mutual friends. Who's our mutual friend? We trust them now just as much as generations before us trusted theirs. So this is all part of the before, the leading up to real dating. What you do as you know, as a couple, and I'm going to use that in a traditional sense because one, one plus one is a relationship. There are others. We'll get to them. We will get to them. <laughs> Fear not, my creative and underground friends. We will. But one plus one. Equivocal conversation. What do the two of you talk about that is balanced and fair? And again, I'm referring to those relationships that you start as a couple that early on. Do you find that topics that you you want to find common ground on are there to be explored together? Or is it really, wow, you've got a whole farm-based knowledge and I've got a whole city-based knowledge, that you're that different, that you find that that breakaway from your norm, the way you see the world to be so contrasted that naturally you're drawn to it. You're inclined to try something entirely different, especially with a new human being. Not an arrangement, not a business contract, the chance to actually be people and share people things. Early on in uh, one of my episodes, I highlighted that the art of conversation, like talking is an art form. And there's no better example than the conversation between two people at the beginning. What were the foundations that led your parents to discuss things? What did they base it on? Equivocal means it was coming from both sides equally. What what were the common topics that were so better fed into by those two souls? There's a very strong theory in social psychology that we copy patterns and we learn patterns and habits. And I honestly believe that the way that you almost reboot some of your dialogue when you're with a different sort of person can weigh on the future of that relationship. It can help steer it, guide it, cement it, sometimes narrow band it. It's not up to everyone to pull off a perfect relationship. So recognizing the way that that conversation might draw down into a, into a smaller focus, it might not be a bad thing, might not be a bad thing, who knows. But perhaps after you've, you've done all this flowery talk, you don't do it anymore. Once you've talked about all this extraneous stuff, you don't come back to it for another year, another couple of years, maybe even 10 years. Oh, remember that chat we had about that thing? Yes, I do, actually. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. At least those are nice little additionals from those courting days, those, those early days. That's the other thing I forgot to mention about courting is, is memories. Very important. And very important for future successful ones that they're happier than not. The ones that are less happy can be revealing and can help build and develop a healthier approach to the future of a relationship. That shouldn't surprise anyone. But do recognize that. 
especially when we do touch on the stronger side of communication in in e-dating and the apps. They're a bit restricted. We all know being able to properly emote yourself without emojis these days is it's tricky. So there we go. We've covered so much about the basics of courting and how this all starts, how the dating gets started. Lots of little factors there. Surely, says modern man, there's a way to make this easier. And of course there is. Now, a little bit of a hot take. How far back do you think we turned to the nerds to help us out, the geeks of yesteryear, to help us out? through this quagmire and minefield of dating. Because, you know, it's, it's still just as scary now as it was back then. Surely strangers are still strangers. So what did we do? We turned to the nerds for help. How long ago did we do it? Well, you all know a story about a couple of guys sitting down as using a questionnaire and a computer to, to match a pool of men and a pool of women. That was called Facebook originally, or the Facebook or Faith Match, you watch the doco. Would you believe we only have to wind the clock back ooh, six decades before we discover that the same thing actually happened already? In 1959, it's called the Happy Families Planning Services and it was started by Jim Harvey and Phil Fiala as a class project at Stanford using a questionnaire and an IBM 650 to match 49 men and 49 women. You can read about all of this. This is all purely academic. And thank Buddha this was all, you know, peer-reviewed. Otherwise, we wouldn't have it still. 1963, Ed Lewis at Iowa State Uni uses a questionnaire and an IBM, quote, to optimise the meeting potential at dances. You know what I mentioned about the soiree of yesteryear? In 1964, Joan Ball started the first commercially run computer-generated matchmaking company. The first set of match-ups was run in 1964. So there you go. My parents are 18, so their adulthood is as old as the first computer-generated matchmaking match-ups. There's various stories since then about, oh, wow, at one point, one particular operation called Operation Match a couple of Harvard guys put that together using an IBM. They took a $3 fee for submitting these questionnaires and netted about a quarter of a million dollars in 2014 money, 50 years before that. Hello, people are suddenly paying for the opportunity to be involved. Hmm, sound familiar? Honeywell 200, one of their computers was used to launch Eros, a distribution of questionnaires there's one fellow at MIT, 11,000 responses, $4 each. That's, you know, again, another quarter of a mil. And yet this is 50 years before that. It was okay to all of a sudden, says Raymond Shapiro, a business manager for New York Review of Books, it was okay to display oneself in print. It was very important to be self-aware. So you'd get ads all of a sudden in papers, in classifieds, like astrologer, 27, psychology student, desires to establish non-superficial friendship with sensitive, choicelessly aware persons who are non-self-oriented, deep, and wish to unearth real person-ness relationships. Direct quote from an actual classified. What does that sound like, anyone who's been online in the last five years and had to put a profile together and read others? Hmm. 
Phase 2, a computer dating company, was started in the early 70s. By 74, Cherry Blossom's Mail Order Bride catalogue launches. Uh, who? 1976, a video dating service. Here we go. We're finally getting into digital, well, tape media. Great expectations. Wow. That inspires hope, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, the service achieved some notability, but never overcame stigma. There we go. There's another one to touch on. We'll come back to that, I think. There are also apparently other video dating services like Teledate and Introvision, but there's nothing to find about them to read. Not anymore. There was a French Minitel network called Messagerie Rosés in the 80s. 1986 Matchmaker Electronic Pen Pal Network, because of course you had pen pals. Let's not forget, oh, you can still advertise for them and eventually meet up. Maybe you fall in love using your handwriting at this point. But here we go. This is the nerd's wave. Uh, an electronic bulletin board system for romance. Uh, it grew to about 14 local BBSs throughout the US, uh, eventually lost interest as the World Wide Web rocked in and Matchmaker was superseded by Matchmaker.com. 1987, Telepersonals, a separate telephone dating system in Canada, Toronto. They they amped up a telephone classified business. So I would say that would be you'd ring and just listen to various classified ads and they uh, hmm, added a gay option. The gay section becomes its own branded service. There we go. Progress. 1989, Another mail-order bride service focusing on Russia and Eastern Europe. 94. Leaping into the mid-90s now. Kiss.com. The first modern dating website. There you go. And I do remember around about then a whole flood of emails, or what I had for emails back in the day, uh, finding their way to me about grabbing domain names. Um, especially towards the end of the 90s, but... The fact that you could buy a dot com or become it became a thing all of a sudden. The fact that these names were coming along with dot com as their name started. I wouldn't I wasn't aware of kiss.com. But it's the first modern dating website. Followed very soon after the next year by Yid.com, the first Jewish dating service. And the first dating site in South Africa. 95, here we go, the big one. Everyone, match.com. There you go. 95, so happy 27th birthday. Good Lord. Oh, and everything just rolled out from there. I remember match went crazy. Everything went from there. You... If you were on Match.com, you were ahead of the pack. 1997, an online wedding service called Shady. It looks like Shady. <laughs> That's terrible. S-H-A-A-D-I.com launches based in India. 98, uh, Jevasanthi.com, also another Indian matrimonial website. 99, Gaydar. <laughs> That's, I'm not making that up. Founded in 99 by London-based South Africans Gary Frisch and his partner Henry Badenhorst. The world's most popular gay online dating site. And it grew into a portfolio of websites and an award-winning radio station. Then we hit the turn of the century. And Match.com finally gets 
its first real competition, eHarmony. Google it. The online dating service for long-term relationships. I remember that. That's what it was about. It was in the word, harmony. The balancing of two things. Mm, on an E level. The first time you heard that E. Electronic-based harmony. Or electronically founded harmony. 2001, the Christians come back with their own dating service called Christian Mingle. I think I'm saying that right. 2002, Friendster. A friendship, dating and early general social networking website all rolled into one. Friendster. Now, it says here on Wiki that in 2005, Facebook copies and expands the idea into a general social interconnected website. I'm going to leave that for you guys to decide. This is all evolution as far as I'm concerned. It's not copying. It's organic. Look, look at the way we're looking at it. Go all the way back. Another gay site, Planet Romeo in 2002, initially only available in German, but then it changed its language bases again. Dating services leading the way for interconnectedness of languages and regional connectability and cultural awareness and cultural flexibility on these sites. Yeah, I don't remember uh, Google Translator being anything like that back in 2002 or, or any website being ready to provide in different languages. Nope. Another one in 2002, Dudes Nude, Gay Men. 2002 also, Ashley Madison. Oh, that was a big one too. Ashley Madison launched as a networking service for extramarital relationships. And again, the, another page turned oh so quickly. See how this is all happening around the same time? The internet is taking off. I'd already seen the coming and going of the, you know, the broadband bubble. I was part of it, getting burst. It was fun. I got places because of it, so I'm not, you know, they're good memories for me. But yes, Ashley Madison... I even remember that on buses, being advertised on the side of buses. You heard me right, extramarital relationships. 2002 again, primesingles.net, a dating service for singles over 50. Prime Singles. Uh, changed its name to Single Seniors Meet and then Silver Singles by 2011. 2003, proxy dating launches. Oh yes, the nature of dating people within a certain proximity. Now, up here for me, that couldn't be any more relevant. Expanding searches within the apps that I use and hoping that if I do speak to people out of town, they're also pro-proxy dating. So, yeah. But what it was back then was a 50-feet range supplied to you via Bluetooth. Now, can you guess which came first? Tinder or Plenty of Fish? Yeah, it was plenty of fish. It's in the name. We had we had to have phrases back then. We had to have something that said something. Ashley Madison, Silver Singles, Plenty of Fish. You know, Plenty of Fish in the Sea. That's how the saying goes. Plenty of fish in the sea. And this time, the sea was the internet. Next year, OkCupid launches. Look them up. I'm just running off names. Uh, Badoo, I haven't tried Badoo, so if anyone out there does have history <laughs> from Badoo, please share with me, get in touch, and Batfreak at Instagram. That was 2006, so Badoo is as old as my son, a, a dating-focused social networking service. So, Facebook, but strictly for dating. 
Okie dokie. And in 2006, obviously, a very dumbed-down version of it. Maybe even a MySpace for dating. Uh, no, now here we go. Same year, a sugar daddy, sugar baby site from the US called Seeking Arrangement. That's quite a long word to type in to your browser. Seeking Arrangement. 2007, Scout with a K, a location-based social networking and dating application and website. All in one, it says. Hear the word app there. You finally heard the word application, the long word for app for their um, description. Oh, this is great. Scientificmatch.com. <laughs> Same year as Scout. Would you like to match with people with complementary immune systems? Well, you can. Scientificmatch.com. Crazy blind date. I don't know if any of these are running still, by the way. A, a blind dating service? I really want to know if that's for the blind. It's got to be. Zoosk. I hear about a lot of Zoosk users over 50. Well, they would because if it started in 2007. Yep, that was their thing. Gene partner in 2008. Do you want a match based on their DNA? Hmm. G-E-N-E. G-E-N-E. Partner. Where'd Tinder go? Nope. Not there yet. 2009. Way ahead of Tinder. Here we go. Did you know this? Grinder. No E, just Grinder, Grin Doctor, focusing on gay, bi, and trans people. So there you go. There's your rainbow app before Tinder. Gay men, gay women, bisexual people, and trans people. Perfect. Scruff the following year in 2010 focused on gay, bisexual, and trans men, adding a HIV-positive community three years later. 2011 Spark acquired Singles Meet and changed it to Silver Singles, so we're getting there now. Obviously, you can still hear the age brackets being taken care of here, the, the, the people that got in around this time being taken care of in their own way. See how popular it is to be able to, to spread these things around? It's a wonderful example of how the internet really ought to work. Momo, a Chinese social search and instant messaging app. 2011 Blender. Designed to connect like-minded people. Again, just like Grindr without the E. Highlight, a location-based dating app around the same year as, here we go, Tinder. Tinder. 2012, which is the same year as an app I only just got around to, to launching on my phone and inspecting and trying it out. Hinge. How did I not hear about Hinge? Oh, wow, I can't wait to review these guys for you, but Hinge, hang in there. Bristler, ah, without the E. Bristler, between bearded men and women who love beards, 2014. Ah, should get on to that. Same year. I haven't looked this one up for a while. Maybe I should. Three Ender, or Ender, with a three at the beginning. This starts facilitating communication between people interested in polyamory, kink, swinging, and other alternative sexual preferences. And you've made it, well, half an hour into the show, my friends. So maybe I should reveal a little bit more about myself before we head in to this part, the before. So before we do that, uh, I'd like to all let you all know that I identify as polyamorous heteroflexible while you're reeling from that but that's pretty much straight but open-minded uh but yes polyamorous so hi so i gotta look that one up spooner without the e 
same year. Wow, it was a busy year, 2014. Starts facilitating communication between strangers who live within walking distance of each other. Late that year, Bumble. The other one I'm really going to touch on. And why this one? Because it permits only women to start the chat with matches. Uh, which I have confirmed since is, if it's two women, either get to have a go. That's saying yes, hi, first. But that's after it's a match. Uh, yeah, 24 hours for that to actually happen. Hmm. Now, it gets a little bit weird around 2015 as personal information of Ashley Madison users is stolen and released. Hmm. 2015, Huggle, spelt that way, starts connecting users based on commonality of places they frequent. Hmm. Now we're getting into tracking data as well as that, that break into personal data. And Yellow in 2015, a Tinder for teens launches in France and in 2017 in the US. Again, for me, this is where it's starting to get a little bit darker, really. Um, only because you're a teen in one country, you're a teen in another. Footage is footage. Stories are stories, photos are photos being universally legal doesn't exist so you know france first then two years later the us i i don't know about the security levels there but if anyone's got any stories from yellow if they want to dig one up please let me know tinder for teens a match group in 2015 the owner of by this point okcupid Tinder, Plenty of Fish, and Match.com goes public. So they made no bones about the fact that, yes, uh, by that stage, what are we going back? Almost seven years ago. Uh, yeah, they owned the lot, and obviously they had different plans and different purposes for each and every one of them. Fair enough. Be good to get in on shares there, but I don't know. I'm not a share type of guy. No, I am, though. <laughs> and that pretty much brings us up to now, 22 so now it's time to put you in the picture. What do you need as a first-time e-data to get started? I'm going to set you up as if you're walking into all four of the following apps, which, as you know, I've already mentioned a few times. Plenty of fish being the big one, the granddaddy, for the purposes of the show. Tinder, with its own little character. Bumble with that unique who goes first aspect and then hinge. I'll go through them in a short while, but I'm going to give you the basics and what it takes to put yourself forward into this arena. Now, for me, the first thing has to be the photos. You have to decide how you're going to visually present yourself. A lot of the sites will at some point ask you to confirm your face. And they may do this any number of ways. But they do eventually, I think, want to make sure you are you. That you can be confirmed in order to access other and fuller aspects of the app. The other reason why you should have face photos ready is in case someone else asks for them or your profile pic especially must include your profile pic in order to appeal to certain people, for example, that might be something that the app offers to uh, other users. These photos have to be about you, 
now, maybe a bit of then. And please, just leave everyone else out of the photos. Just you. I'm not talking about the pet. No, that's your life. (laughs) It's probably good to let people know that you're a dog person or a cat person. But you do have to decide what you are going to do with these photos and what you're not going to do with these photos. Some of you are thinking, yeah, what about our name, Marty? Nah, that's not that's nowhere near as important as the photos. But here it is. Second, your name. Pick a nickname. Go with a nickname. Put a little bit of space between yourself and who you are online. It's more than just a safety thing. It also allows you to take some of the unfortunate fallout of being online and just buffer it. Speaking of unfortunate fallout, this is the perfect time to stop and pause and look where we're at so far. I've given you all the instructions you need to start a profile before you pick an app, but that's also all that a pirate would need to create a fake profile. And this is one of the biggest widespread and almost unavoidable drawbacks of e-dating. Now, why did I use pirate there as a term instead of, say, hacker or fraudster? This is, this is one of the biggest points I'd like to make. When you enter into the world of e-dating, you are playing a game of truth and lie, fact and hidden fact, reality versus altered reality. The fact that you're already stepping from your IRL self, your in-real-life self, into uh, a reduced version of yourself within a set of parameters, you have to say to yourself, I'm being truthful. Is the next person that I'm going to talk to being truthful? And quite frankly, seasoned users of e-dating services will tell you that you should always keep that in mind with any interactions early on. Be confident about your selection of people, but always remember that you are looking for your idea of the truth. You may have really low expectations about what's going to happen next, or you have very simple needs or wants, and you want to see how they roll out in front of you. Fair enough. But when you do put yourself out there, either other people are or they're not. And that's, that's quite a mental gameplay and part of the roller coaster that I was talking about. As well as putting yourself out there and having to put effort into judging what's in front of you and assessing it on value, I mentioned the stigma quite some time ago in the episode. People are worried that they will be seen online and taken a certain way based on the context. Where where did you see my profile? Oh, it was on such and such. Oh, okay. So that person may have questions or they may not. You know, my favourite response is, well, what were they doing there in the first place? <laughs> that kind of breaks down the stigma for me. But it is hard to be able to say, 
sometimes, uh, or it used to be especially, uh, hey, I'm actually putting myself out there uh, and strangers could see me. People say, well, why do you want to do that? Why, why can't you just do it the way we do? We're not all that lucky. That's the point. That's why e-dating actually works, because we're not all lucky to find people in our own village that we can relate to and want to build time with, you know, and build spaces with. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's dying down. The stigma is dying down. But only because on any one particular phone, users around the world will have two minimum, two social connection network apps, usually Facebook and something else. If there's a third, you can pretty much guarantee that one of the three is a dating-oriented app. That's how popular they are now. Um, it's, it's so easy. They're, they're simplified versions of what it used to be back in the 90s with full-blown websites and subscriptions and um, you know, basic small image uh, constructs. So, again, you are, you're engaging in being able to beat your own sense of stigma and, as I said, trying to work out whether you're looking at the truth. So, uh, it does take far too often uh, your first bad experience, the conversation going sour or realizing that you have actually been catfished if you're aware of that term and this is why I, I stopped after just photos and your name because from here on in it really does get a lot more detailed about what you supply to these people that you've never met before how far are you willing to let them in about you what would you like to tell them seasoned users rehearse by, by practicing in their own mind. What am I going to say with this profile update? What am I going to say now that I've turned this age? And it becomes easier uh, to, to provide that sort of script, that sort of dialogue uh, with time. But, you know, there's, there's this much that you'll say about yourself and then all of this you won't. When you start providing, for example, an age... How many apps out there actually ask you to provide any proof at all that you are as old as your, your profile says you are? A lot of people come across problems with putting their age in and then maybe in the profile say something else. Oh, uh, the app's got it wrong. I'm actually already 50, but uh, I can't fix that. <laughs> well, some people use that to make sure they show up in search results younger than themselves so you can see this is this is where it all starts to get functional more than perfunctory what are you going to do with your personal data when you tell people where you live is it uh, going to be not exactly where you live but in fact the more well-known town where you live and let the more particular details roll out later on in conversation can't be you know, you can't be held to account for that. When you live in rural New South Wales like I do, there's so many other little villages and, and precincts that would identify them better, but perhaps are a little more, more clustered and, you know, 
might be a problem if you're the only one showing up there in a result with that name of that that area. So you use a bigger town instead and then let your dialogue sort of flesh out from there as you get to know people. None of this is easy. Again, you have to choose for yourself how you're going to, to be in this space. And the different apps will ask you to do different things in that regard. Um, uh, Tinder, for example, insists that they're doing the very best they can to find you someone as close to you as possible. Plenty of Fish doesn't really worry about that anymore. It just says what it has. People that are, you know, contactable to message. So things change. But I think we all want to know uh, that we we have a chance to be real when it suits us in e-dating. I asked for quite a bit of feedback uh, and uh, responses to questions about e-dating for the show and one of my favourite responses regarding uh, stigma and uh, being brave enough to put a profile together and what they would do and what they would put in it, they imagined what would I tell my sister if she was putting a profile together how would i how would i talk to her about it and at the same time they suddenly realized wow what if my sister talked to me about my profile because she'd seen it there as well and yeah all of a sudden the stigma sort of faded for her because she realized she had a, a peer being able to accept uh, what could be you know acceptable in the realm of of being open to new things, albeit in a very modern way, but based on so many principles and and foundations that we've already covered. I've seen so many single parent profiles in e-dating. So many. That's a real genuine sign that people are ready to get back into the swing of things. Not to use that word that way. Ready to, to start a new era, a new phase for themselves and obviously their family. And there is some stigma sometimes with, you know, um, how, how quickly am I supposed to move on? Where's my cue? Uh, I, think, I think there's a greater awareness now of how we can discuss relationship trauma and fallout and we can discuss um, um for example narcissism you know that's i think that sort of willingness to be able to say that was a nasty person having a go at me means you're you're better set up for your next encounter not even all over again but in this new dating app form it's a new take it's a new way and clearly it works because i've seen how many people have met that way that because it was it was relevant and new to the way that they wanted to present themselves in a short and sweet manner now the next thing that these apps want you to do these days is 
answer some original questions. This is a, a slow and sure process, but it, it's exactly what used to happen when I was a kid. They would People who were doing video dating, for example, would have a clipboard set of questions put in front of them so that they could talk on common ground automatically to the camera. It's, it's quite almost surprising to me that it took the, the decades since for apps to realise that that provokes communication and conversation. So they've all pretty much got them now embedded, uh, but I'll talk about that app by app in a second. And again, if your, your profile hasn't fleshed itself out enough based on your own 50 words to sum yourself up, which, you know, again, you've got to have that ready. Uh, hashtags for likes, band names, different types of food, outdoor activities, of course, the inevitable fishing. My Lord, that is everywhere. <sighs> so many women will straight up tell you they see a fishing photo, no. By no means am I picking on uh, fishing as, a, as an aspect of your lifestyle. No, uh, it's just way too popular among men who really don't know how to add that, that uniqueness to their profile. That's what's become obvious to users. That's the feedback I've, I've heard so often. You can Google it. It's there. Uh, it's, it's ironic that that becomes the, the flag to say, I'm uh, an ordinary bloke being ordinary. Uh, it, maybe it presents too much work for the people who don't want to match with that. Maybe they've learned something in the past. Anywho, I think it is time to dive into uh, the apps. And let's start with, speaking of fishing, uh, plenty of fish, or POF as it's known. Now, I just this morning made sure nice and early, that I jumped into POF for one main reason, and that's not because it's a dating app. But let's start with the basics. Who am I? Let's have a look. Oh, we're just turning it on now. And no, I don't have any new um, potential matches to, to swipe on. So let's go to, well, let's have a look at my profile. What am I able to do when I present myself? I can have one two three four five six photos okay uh display my age have a little tagline under my my real name if i want that displayed i've got a handle or a nickname uh, where my location is um, my height my occupation education you know, if I want to change the level of education that I'm actually presenting for a certain profile, I can. Maybe some information really isn't necessary. You know, doesn't have to be the full picture. Um, and it says here that I'm single man wants to date, but nothing serious. Three completely separate variables, uh, all inside gender and intent. Brown eyes, mixed hair color, average body type. 
religion, other, ethnicity, Caucasian. And then a massive spiel about me. Lifestyle. This becomes important. People want to check this. Uh, do I smoke? No, according to the profile. I, I drink socially. I say no to drugs. I'm ambitious. That's a, a level that I would use to describe myself. Um, ambitious. Have kids? Yes, I do. Want kids? Prefer not to say. That's instead of yes or no. That's now a, a, an option to be able to say, no, I'm out. I'm non-binary in that regard. I'm a Leo. I don't have any pets. I'm an intellectual. That was the choice of personalities. That, that I don't know what else there was. Was there? Oh, yeah. Athletic, adventurer, animal lover, blue collar, free thinker, hopeless romantic. Yeah. I grabbed all them. No, I could have grabbed them. I just went with intellectual, I think. Got a car. Don't speak a second language. And my longest relationship was over nine years. Again, according to the profile. Um... Of course I can add in more, like interests, music, art, entertainment, cinema, comedy, sci-fi, graphic novels, and then my own version of a conversation starter. So I think I've put a fair bit of effort into that over time. How much of that becomes uh, prevalent, I don't know. Let's have a look. Uh, is there a preview option here? Probably. Yep. Yep, that's all up there. Along with I date someone with kids. I'm the oldest of two kids and I date a smoker. Fairly uh, open-minded there. Got to be the first time I've actually reviewed <laughs> how my profile looks or reads in a while. So thank you, show. Um, and that's it. My preferences are then pretty much down to how far do I want to cast my fishing net. At the moment, I've got it set to a maximum distance of 122 k's. Hmm. That's really not that far around these parts. That really is the next town over in any direction. Uh, Australian. Uh, another option is again where POF has headed is into the arena of money without charging people for all the basics. If you upgrade, you can ask for only upgraded members to message you. Uh, but a basic setting, which I think is fair, only members with uh, profile images can mes message me. I mean, apart from fair, it also obviously cuts out having to wade through why haven't you got a picture up uh, um, or explanations why. So as I said, POF, unlimited messages. You find a profile, you can send them a message. That person may block you, may reply, may not. But that's the, the wide ocean of Plenty of Fish now. There's everyone to find everywhere. Now where Plenty of Fish actually ended up was... Well, in one example, I'll give you some more of this wonderful feedback I've had from friends and associates. Basically, I asked them all for their feedback on uh, their experiences with e-dating. And we'll start with Diane, because hers is the most POF-relevant feedback. Diane's only used two apps, the second of which I actually introduced her to within the last couple of months, I think. 
That one was Bumble, which she's now enjoying more than her traditional POF, plenty of fish. She joined POF about three years ago and has been on and off it during that time. She's been using it as a dating app to meet and chat and meet and chat and and gain some insight about people that are on there via that. But what she doesn't know is that POF has completely ignored that as their mainstream of revenue because that's all free, because all that matching up is free based on distance and whether you've blocked people or not, whether you report them or not, unlimited messaging is happening out there. That's all, all, all for people who still think it is uh, their preferred way of presenting themselves uh, based on everything I've just described. And POF wants to get its money from becoming like this massive online Twitch for live streams from people's phones. This, my friends, is massive. It's the perfect hangout for insomniacs, stoners, and narcissists. There, I said it. (laughs) It really, really is. If those sorts of people as company appeal to you in any way, and there are some people out there who, for some reason, would enjoy throwing down online with a narcissist, they're there. Stoners are there because they're allowed to do whatever they want at home as long as it's off camera. And the insomniacs, oh yeah. That's why there's always a channel to watch somewhere around the world where it's just someone having half-dozy conversations with people via the chat box. But you can also ask to be dragged into their stream, add it up as a little pop-up window. You can do all sorts of things. But you pay for giving these streamers awards and points. Worse than Fortnite. They don't mean anything. It's just to get them up the social ranks. It's... it's It is bizarre to watch. And yet, it's so very now. This is what POF have realised. Hang on. If we just create their their own environment to do what they want, they can't do anything illegal. And they can be reported. So obviously the servers are doing something on POF, but something's got to pay for that. But if you let them just do what they want, while the the front of the house looks like your average swipe swipe dating app it takes care of itself the money just keeps rolling in people are sucking into to giving gifts and and paying for this and awards and levels and bonuses it's phenomenal that's what it is it's a phenomenon so celebrating its 10th birthday let's move on to tinder leah writes back to me when i asked her how how has she been doing at 30 something with dating apps i don't know i've been really lucky men seem to have a lot more trouble as so many of the women are using the apps as an escort agency or a way to get people to subscribe to their paid socials like only fans which sucks but i've had very few creeps and my boyfriend was one of the first people i messaged on tinder and we formed a friendship before we ever even flirted That's nice. Tinder, by its very nature, the sparking of a match. And that's why they chose that logo. Look at it. And I remember it. It was straight away. 
it was uh, hailed as the next hookup quick smart app. So again, let's have a look at my settings. Uh, I've currently got my distance preference set at 74 Ks. Now that's 74 Ks based on wherever my location services tell my phone I currently am. Bit of a downer about these dating apps, by the way, tech heads. I turn my location services off quite often because it's a big battery drain. So I have to turn that back on. Otherwise, I start swiping on people from Sydney because that's where my phone thinks I am. Because my default IP, and I checked, 49.701 something, is in Piermont. Thank you, Optus. So that doesn't help, gang, because you end up with false swipes. And some of them can be quite amusing if you can hold your own say, yes, well, hi, Sydney, I know you quite well. Or it could be embarrassing because you've, you know, started a conversation with someone you thought was in your traditional range of, of searching. So, hmm. Anyway, I'd like to see on Tinder, women, men, or everyone. I've, I've selected women. I've got an age range there of about 26 years. Just, well, you know, research and all that, but also to get a fair idea of the sorts of profiles that are up and around and, and who would swipe on me and would I like to swipe on them. I should mention while we're looking at Tinder, of course, the pandemic brought about one of the biggest changes in e-dating and that was swipe first ask questions later people were so desperate to get back into dating interacting socializing after being isolated for so long uh, that the apps pretty much took off absolutely roared because more people wanted to be able to get access to quick and easy connections first it was also easier to swipe on whoever had their profile and talk, 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 talk while you're in isolation. Let's not forget that. But of course, how how far can you push your luck if you really do make a connection and you can't see them? A good test of, of patience. I've got nine photos up at the moment. I'm a creative director. My own company. Oh, that's nice. Uh, I went to uni. Ah, that's not what I say on POF. I live in Grafton. I live less than a kilometre away from myself. Oh, yeah, and I can put the sticker on it that says vaccinated. Frames, stickers for your profile pics. Is it necessary? Is it is it cute? I think with Tinder, because it's so visual, are you going left, you're going right, you're going left, you're going right, which you can literally just do with one, one thumb now, rather than having to watch videos or scroll downwards, you can go, that picture, no, that picture, no, that picture, no. And that's what Tinder is to a degree. It sums up and typifies putting your best foot forward using your best face, your best smile. If that's a, a sunset or a garden on Tinder, not as popular. Surprise. Is there a stigma with, with using Tinder? Possibly, if you still think of it the way you first heard about it as an easy hook update. But don't forget, this is all post-Ashley Madison. If you're on Tinder, you you want to simplify the process of getting in touch with people. Keep it short and sweet. I have one, I'm just looking through my inbox now, I've got another message. So you can meet some real professionals still on Tinder. If you recognise their their education or their, their job or whatever and you really want to talk about that, you can. Of course you can. Um, the, the swipe is easy. You can have conversations sitting there for ages before you unmatch them. And that's, you know, you don't even have to really feel too guilty about that. If you truly think the conversation's going 
Nowhere on Tinder. Unmatch. They're gone. It's the one function. Bye. For a lot of people, there is no stigma. Tinder is sex. Sex is Tinder. Uh, They're synonymous in their nature. How Aussie is the phrase you want to root? Get on Tinder. That's that's so much more of a a common language rebuttal now these days. Because you do. People do get laid on Tinder. It happens. And yet, here we are at the time of recording. I punch into some of the optional windows here on Tinder and I see that there are various modes you can enter into. Various reframing of Tinder usage. Festival mode, meeting up with people and making friends before you go to one. Looking for love uh, within the Discover rooms. Looking for love, sweep me off my feet. If that's an arena you want to get into and, and hang out. Free tonight, being spontaneous. Looking for friends at even besties. So these are all within the Vibe sub-app or second level, I suppose. Second tier of Tinder. Oh, I've got some recommendations. I should try out the coffee date, the music mode. Well, there's, that was easy. Whether I'm bored at work and have limited time on the clock. <laughs> date night, binge watches, of course. Gamers, social causes, creatives, brunch times, foodies, music lovers, nature's lovers, thrill seekers, self-care. Good Lord. There you go. Tinder uh, also obviously has cottoned onto the idea of an underground uh, aspect to hanging out. I think that's probably going to be a lot cleaner and a lot more refined with one-on-one conversations than, than forum-based, but I'll tell you more about that if I think about trying it out because... I mean, Tinder really is about just trying to hang in there uh, for as long as you want to keep swiping and then come back to it, say, in a month. I think people just use it it more casually than they do on an invested basis. Again, open to feedback. My absolute favourite response from my call-out for feedback, by the way, comes from Sandy, who's a little bit older than me, not by much, and she says, dating apps are an unavoidable reality now. They're a bit like the local $2 shop. You have to sift through the crap to get to the good stuff. I like that. And it's so true. As she adds, gone are the days that you met your partner out and about, echoing the post-pandemic sentiment, and they are only as good as the person who's filling out the information about themselves. So very true. Now, her favourite apps, by the way, are... At the moment, Field, F-double-E-L-D, and Hinge. I'll come to Hinge in a sec. But the first one she ever used was Tinder. In brackets, the shame of it all. Don't know what the story is there. Uh, But it is. It's about the information. So we move on to having established information via how does the communication best start. And that is typified these days best by Bumble. As I said, the main power there being that in any matchup, the woman gets to start the chat first and has a 24-hour countdown. Uh, I have my profile up at the moment, uh, 49 uni, uh, fun, chatty, curious, and now sporting long hair. Bumble's really about getting to the point a bit like Tinder did, but being a bit more genuine because you are encouraged to answer at least one, two three questions about yourself from a selection and 
that really is your opportunity to open up conversation starters. For, for people that can write well, it's perfect because you can keep it as short and sweet as you want to without feeling flowery. And for those that can't write well, they can you know, take that opportunity to, to explore one of the questions as, as a challenge to, to look inside themselves and answer it their way. The other thing about Bumble now is that there are straightaway three modes that you can enter into immediately. You don't have to be one for a while or one and another. You can go straight into date mode, BFF mode, or biz mode. So you know LinkedIn? That's a business operating model. BFF, about making new friends at every stage of your life. Hark back to the way that RSVP.com first operated. It wanted people to reply to each other as friends to get to know each other first. And a lot of people became friends as a, as a result for life. Thanks to that mode, BFF, uh, best friends forever. So there we go. I'm on date mode at the moment, but straight away in Bumble, you don't have to do that. You can just get used to the way that the app works by saying, I'm just after friends. Or, you know what? I am here to make business connections among you people who are brave enough to present yourselves as you are anyway. So let's explore that that honest nature of us working in a business scenario. And the feedback that I got from Bumble users is that it is the app that notifies them the most on their phone because they find the conversation so much more valuable regardless of whichever mode they're actually using it for. And finally, Hinge. This has been a long episode, my friends. We're nearly there. It's, wow, there's so much more still to get into. This is still all before and choosing which one suits you. Hinge. This is the first app to allow you to individually like aspects of a profile. The other apps I've mentioned may have absorbed this into their, uh, into their process by now. But this was the first one Hinge allowed you to say today, I'm just going to like and comment on first photos. Or today I am going to actually spend some time reading down profiles and comment on uh, answers to questions that they provided or personal thoughts, uh, perhaps captions on some of their photos and uh, have a chat about what you find in common about that. More conversations start this way within Hinge. So you don't have an inbox that's waved in your face saying, oh, you've got to, you've got to send this email to this person. It doesn't even look like that. You're, you're literally straight away encouraged to think about a match with this person based on them liking something of yours first. I think that's genius. I think that is much smarter being able to see what they liked about you so much quicker. And with all these apps, by the way, my friends, don't forget if you're going to do this and you want to stay current and you want to beat the pirates at their own game, be prepared to have a nice cycle of 50 photos so that you can pick and choose when it comes to refreshing your photos that you think, hmm, that one's a bit old, my hair's changed or whatever. Don't really like that one. Oh, I haven't got that car anymore. I'm not living there anymore, that sort of thing. But that's how you also let friends that you've made on the app know 
that, yeah, this is still current. A bit like what you would do with Facebook or Instagram. Um, I believe Tinder allows you to patch in your Instagram feed as well. So there we go. Keep it fresh. Keep it current. Stay positive. Have a look at all of these. See what you think. That's how to get started. That's the before. Let's wrap it up, part one. Big thank you to all the feedback I've aired today from my contributors and listeners. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. These are real stories, real experiences that we're having. If any of this has encouraged you to get in touch and share, please do because we're going even to even deeper territory with after you get started in the next episode. I'll see you then.